The Overwhelmed Brain is a proud provider of self-empowerment for your personal evolution. Are you annoyed by affirmations? When you're on the 18th hole, taking that final putt of the game, about to take home the prize for first place, adjusting your stance and getting ready to swing, pulling the club back to take the shot that will pay for that new house. The crowd quiets in anticipation for... Think positively! You'll get it in the hole! Damn it! If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then get ready to start creating the life you've always wanted now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. And if you're here to learn more common-sense tips for improving your life, well... Sorry to say, but that's the room across the hall. But you are welcome to stay because this is the direct path to uncommon sense. And that's why it's going to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right, today's show is going to be a little different because I'm just going to read you emails and then answer them uh, as well as I can. Now, I usually do this in the middle segment called Ask Paul, but I'm going to make today special because I've received... Uh, more emails than normal lately, so I want to see if I can fit them all in, um, giving them the attention that they deserve and hoping I'm able to address their challenges in the time allotted on this show. You know, some emails do not require a 20 to 40 minute segment that I sometimes dedicate in the middle segment. Some emails are quick answers. For example, Um, I received a message probably a couple weeks ago from uh, a young kid, a a young boy. And I, at first, and I'm going to be honest here, I thought it was a joke (laughs) because of the way he wrote it. But then I was thinking, well, if he really is a kid, he's going to write differently than uh, some of us adults do. And I just have to take it seriously. So I did. I mean, his email was this. Someone came up to me and pantsed me. And I I didn't really know what that term was at first. But I assumed someone pulled down his pants. So I had that confirmed uh, through my girlfriend who has a kid who said, yes, that's what it is. (laughs) So I got that part right. And then he said, and, you know, everyone saw my parts. I was like, okay. And he goes, I have been humiliated ever since, and I don't know what to do. I know that the kids are going to laugh at me, and and I'm just going to be embarrassed the next time I see them. And I was thinking, wow, that's that's a tough situation. And why are kids so mean? And they think they're having fun, but they're really, they'll probably end up scarring kids for, you know, until they're an adult in their 30s or 40s like me thinking back to the times that uh, I was picked on or bullied or things like that where uh, I was in a situation where I just felt like I was humiliated or embarrassed. I mean, one of the things that happened to me was uh, the jocks in the school just ripped my shirt off and I had a ripped shirt like hanging off of me for the rest of the day. And back then I was very passive, did not really defend myself a lot And I just kind of laughed it off, even though I was probably more angry than anything. So when this kid wrote, I thought about what it was like back then and what I would do now if I knew then what I know now. And my response to him, and again, I thought it was a joke at first, and I was like, you know, it probably is serious. These things happen in school now, and I have to take every letter seriously. So I did. And I responded to him. I said, well, what I would do is actually, instead of trying to not talk about it, 
I would overemphasize and over-exaggerate and talk about it as much as you can with everyone you can. I said, why don't you go into school and say, and I'm, I'm just trying to use kids' language here, so forgive me if this sounds a little offensive, but I said, why don't you just go into school and say, hey, did you guys see my junk? Hey, did you guys see so-and-so pull down my pants? Hey, did you get to see it? Hey, wasn't it funny? Ha ha ha. And really just take it so lightly that you thought it was a joke, even though it hurt, even though, you know, my instinct says, just go in there and beat them up. (laughs) But now I think what would squash the situation? What would take the energy out of the situation? What would be the path of least future resistance? Meaning if you don't want this to happen again, what can you do now? so that it's less likely to happen again. Because here's what I was thinking. Bullies love when you react. Bullies love when they do their thing, that if you react negatively to it, then they've accomplished their mission. So, do the opposite. I mean, this doesn't work in every situation, but react in the opposite way. For example... My last name, Coliani, used to get made fun of in school. And they used to call me colonoscopy. (laughs) Now, I say that. This is the first time I've ever told the world. But back then, um, I would get mad. I would be like, shut up. And then I would try to make fun of their names. And they would always just put me down going, oh, that's a good one. Can't you think of anything more clever? And I couldn't. (laughs) So they would just keep calling me this name. And... Week after week, I would just say, oh, that's really funny, or ha ha ha, that's not my last name. You can't even say my last name right. I was just, it was terrible comebacks. (laughs) And uh, I decided, you know, every time they call me that, I don't like it, and I fight it, and I always get the same results, and they keep calling it. They keep calling me that. So one day, I decided to go back to school and choose to like being called that and so one of the jock jerks came up to me and he goes hey colonoscopy I said hey how's it going and he he was like he didn't know how to respond he was like uh whatever (laughs) whatever he said I don't remember what he said but it was the first time I, I responded positively and he was just like you could tell he didn't know what to do with it because You know, bullies like to get the negative response. That's how they win. That's how they accomplish their goals. So when I responded positively, he didn't know what to do. So a couple of the other bully guys came up to me throughout the day, and they would call me, hey, colonoscopy. And I'd be like, hey, how's it going? And I actually genuinely started to accept the nickname. I didn't like it, didn't, but I got to a point where I didn't care. Because really what I thought about was, who cares? Who cares? You know, sticks and stones will break your bones. Names will never hurt you. What if I adopt that? What if that was true? So I made it true. All right. Names will never hurt me. Okay. Call me anything you want. So I accepted it. Now, this isn't really defending myself. This isn't really standing up for myself, honoring my personal boundaries. And, you know, sometimes that works. And sometimes something works better. And what worked better in this situation was just to go, yeah, no problem. Hey, how you doing? And just respond to the name they gave me. What that did was completely squash the energy and the humor behind what they were doing. And they suddenly lost interest. They just didn't care anymore about calling me that name. And within a matter of maybe two three days most they just stopped and I was like what that worked (laughs) I just accepted that they would call me the name and I pretended that I enjoyed being called that as if I was one of their buddies and they stopped because they realized they didn't have power over me anymore they didn't have control over me anymore and after that it felt pretty darn good that was it and from that point on you know nobody ever called it to me Again, well, sometimes my friend, my real friends would call me that as a joke and we'd laugh about it. But, uh, you know, both them and I knew that uh, it was nothing I was affected by anymore. So it was just, it was all fun after that. 
So what was being bullied, feeling bad, feeling angry, turned into something like a joke on them. (laughs) Hey, I'm not affected by your name calling. What else you got, you know? And uh, they stopped and, you know, they would pick on me for other things, but they were just, it was minor. And, uh, you know, we all grew up and we all moved on, so it didn't really matter anymore. But, you know, when you're young, this stuff affects you. Like with this person who wrote the letter, it affected him. He was really, really embarrassed. He felt humiliated. He didn't know what to do. His first letter was, I really feel embarrassed. I'm afraid to go back to school. I mean, this happens a lot. There are kids afraid to go back to school because of some bully doing something that really puts fear in them and makes them question themselves. And that's just not a place to go. There are kids in school that do this. They bully other kids and they don't realize the impact it's going to have on the rest of their life. They just There's no concept of that at all. So I was grateful that he reached out to me and asked. Now, you know, did I have the right answer? Was that the right thing to do? You know, who knows? Because with kids, they are very dynamic. They can figure other ways to bully or maybe they'll turn what I said around on him and really go after him. Oh, you liked it? Okay, how about some more? I mean, it could have gotten worse. But, you know, you just, you try something and then you try something else. And then when you keep trying things and it doesn't work, then maybe it's time to stand up for yourself. Or, you know, of course, get an adult involved. You know, get the right people, the authorities in your school, your parents. You know, I'm not going to tell kids... You need to stand up for yourself and just, you know, pummel someone. That's not what it's about. But there is a point where you get picked on so much that you can't take it anymore. And what do you do? Do you turn it inward on yourself? Do you turn it outward on them? Or do you just say, you know what? I can't handle this. I need outside help. And that's what this kid did. He reached out to me. Maybe he reached out to his parents and they told him something. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he just wanted the advice of a stranger so he wouldn't get his parents' advice that might say, oh, just be a man. You know, you're growing up, just be a man. Who knows? I don't know. But anyway, he did write back after I told him this. And he said, oh my God, it worked. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I went in, I did exactly what you said, and they don't even care anymore. And when I heard that, I I was just so touched because... I remember what it's like being in that position. And if I had that kind of advice at first, my life would have been a lot easier. So I am so grateful that it worked, (laughs) you know, because does advice always work? Does my advice always work? You know, I, I haven't heard from too many people that what I tell them is wrong. But, you know, who knows? With kids, like I said, anything's possible. So he came back and he wrote, thank you so much. If I have any more questions, I'll let you know. And uh, I, I really had to sit with that because it hit me and it touched me. It hit me that, uh, wow, something I said really affected his life. And now he's no longer humiliated. That felt good. That felt good. And knowing that he could have been scarred if he really took this inward. If he turned this inward onto himself, thinking that it was so embarrassing that all these people saw his parts, what he called them, if he turned that inward and repressed that anger or fear or embarrassment or guilt or shame or whatever was going on inside his head, if he turned that inward, he would have carried that into his adult life. He would have carried that into his relationships. That would have turned into phobic responses to normal situations. There would have been some repercussions had he not dealt with it at the time he dealt with it. So I'm honored that he reached out to me. I don't even know how he found me. He just found my website. So he must have been looking up uh, embarrassing or humiliating situations, which I have an article on. And he reached out to me and I responded and Wow, I just think about that and, you know, it touches me to no end thinking that there was a crossroads here. He could have internalized it and kept it with him or resolved it right there and then. 
So I guess my whole point of this little segment here is that if you're a parent or you know children and they reach out to you and they have a problem, remember that if they internalize these things, they take them with them. I mean, think about the stuff that you've internalized when you were younger. This is what turns into dysfunction when we're older. This is what happens to us. These are the things that pop up in different ways when we're older. I internalized a lot of not honoring myself and getting bullied when I was a kid. I internalized a lot of that and and really became passive-aggressive and I would lash out for no reason throughout my life because I held on to this anger. I didn't have an outlet. I didn't release it when I was younger because I didn't know how. And the adults around me, you know, they did the best they could. But, you know, at the same time, I wasn't sharing what was really happening all the time. So they didn't know. So it's really hard sometimes with kids to understand what's going on in their life. And which is why it's so important to have open communication with them. And, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but I just wanted to share that story that you can make a difference, not only in a kid's life, but in anyone's life, when you can help them see a situation differently, treat a situation differently. You can turn them on to shows like mine or shows from other people or articles or videos online just to give them a different perspective. Because sometimes someone will mention something to you and it'll seem like something in passing. Like, oh yeah, that guy made me really angry. And then we'll kind of commiserate and go, oh yeah, that would make me angry too. Not realizing that that anger, if they don't release it, they hold on to. You know, it's just a simple thing, a simple conversation, but are they internalizing that? And you know, not that we're going to analyze everything that everyone says, but it's just something to keep in mind. So anyway, this show today is all about many of the letters that I received, and I'm going to go through a few of them today and do some rapid-fire responding and see if I can help those who write into this show. Now, what's unique about this is that I have not (laughs) pre-read any of these letters, so I'm going to edit as I go, you know, taking out any pertinent details that might identify the people who've written, and also coming up with insights or advice on the fly to see if I can help them through their challenge. So this entire show is Asked Paul. Thanks for tuning in. Hang in there. Let's get to our first letter coming up. All right, Asha joins us once a week. She is an independent associate for a legal service called Legal Shield. And if you don't know what Legal Shield is, just imagine that you have access to an attorney for almost anything that you need for a low $20 a month. Compare that to $5 a minute <laughs> for a typical attorney, and you'll see how great of a deal this is. So if you have something going on or something is going to happen in your life where you might need someone on your side, someone with legal power on your side, think about getoutofthemess.com. And you can talk to an attorney for $20 a month. So anyway, I think it's a great deal. I'm going to use them very shortly for something I talked about last week, which is a book contract. Um, Someone wants me to write a book and they're going to publish it. And I think that's fantastic. And at the same time, I want to protect myself and make sure I'm not giving away the farm. (laughs) So let's go right over to Asha and let me ask her this question. What about family? Can you include your family members on this plan? Is this a part of the service? Do you have to pay like lots of extra money a month? How does that work? Asha, take it away. Well, that's a great question, Paul. (laughs) Thank you. Everybody always answers like that, so I thought I'd try it on. (laughs) Got it. Well, there's actually a couple different ways that you can um, sign up. You have a couple choices. One is as an individual in most states. Not all states are the same. But in most of the states, you can either sign up as an individual or you can get the family plan. And the individual plan means that only you are covered. 
So that's it. If you have a if you have a spouse or significant other, uh, Legal Shield does allow domestic partners. You fill out an affidavit of domestic partnership saying that you are in a committed relationship that shares living expenses, and that's all there is to it. They are being ultra fair about this. I love it. I think that's very progressive, and um, or we should say current. It shouldn't have to be progressive anymore. And that they are really, they say that their goal is to provide affordable legal protection fairly to everyone. And I think they're really demonstrating that by allowing um, domestic partnerships instead of requiring people to be married. Also, children are covered in a family plan. So if you have especially young teenage drivers coming on board, now would be a great time to get Legal Shield so that if they get pulled over, they get hassled, they've got any issues coming, they know what to do, they call the number, and it'll help to protect you in the event of less than stellar behavior. Also, custody. If you're doing anything to do with custody, you want to do the family plan. If you want the free amicable divorce or uncontested divorced that you need to have the family plan for. Other than that, it's an individual plan and the cost difference is a few dollars a month to have the family plan anyways. The difference is like between $17.95 and $19.95 or between $22.95 and $24.95. It's literally a couple dollars a month. And actually, I just want to add in that when you get the family plan and I say that your partner or whatever is covered, when I say your partner is covered, what I mean is that literally you get that partner added to your plan and they can call in. You don't have to be on the phone. They call in, they provide the number, they provide their name, and they can ask questions exactly the same way you ask questions. Yeah, it's as if they had signed up themselves on their own. So no limits. If you have questions or you are ready to sign up, please give me a call at 678-355-8777 or just go to getoutofthemess.com and you can register right online or send me a message there. All right, I'm reaching in the mailbag for the first letter that I haven't responded to yet. These are all emails, so I guess we can call it an email bag. (laughs) And let me pull this out right now. Let's see. All right, here's one from someone I'm going to call Jimmy. Dear Paul, I just wanted to once again tell you that I love the overwhelmed brain. I am also trying to honor myself more. It isn't easy, though. The hardest part of honoring myself is doing this at my work. I get that. Because one of my bosses is an irrational person. She wants everything her way and doesn't seem to give much leeway. I don't know if this is how she operates towards me because I'm the only male working there or if she acts this way with everyone. Recently, she accused me of something that I didn't do. But I took the blame anyway because I know she's irrational. I have tried talking to her before about how I thought she didn't like me. And she just brushed it off like it was nothing. I really don't know what to do. I really like this job, but I know it's not economical to stay there any longer than I have to. I really enjoy the job, but it's not what I plan to do long term. I am more drawn to something else, and I'm not going to say what that is, just so that you don't know who this is. And I do plan on getting the schooling necessary to get certified in what I'm looking at. And he goes on to ask about something else here, but um, I'm going to finish the letter there and say sincerely, Jimmy. Okay, Jimmy, when you work for an irrational person, you have to remember one thing. Irrational people are trying to get a need fulfilled. The way they do it seems irrational because they are coming from a very primal part of the brain, what I like to call the lizard brain. It's just the most primal fight-or-flight survival (laughs) mechanisms of the brain. And when they need something, these mechanisms kick in and they become what we see as irrational. They do irrational things. They may do something like flip out or scream or just do things that are just not 
of the norm or socially acceptable. They do things that we're not sure how to please them because they're just all over the place. For example, when I was uh, a teenager and I was with a friend of mine and we were in the backyard, we were playing the radio. And I don't know if we were, I don't want to say we were sunbathing. That doesn't sound right. But (laughs) I seem to remember us sitting in the backyard. Maybe we were playing under the hose. I don't know how young I was, but uh, we were playing our music. And um, my stepfather was back there and he was also playing music while washing the car. And we couldn't hear our music over his, so we turned ours up, which caused him to turn his up, which caused us to turn ours up again, and which caused him to get in the car and do several donuts (laughs) in the yard. And then he takes off. And uh, then we have a yard with all these tire marks in them, and we have to wait for the grass to grow over, and all the fun and stuff living with an alcoholic person (laughs) but anyway that was irrational behavior and yes you can point at the alcohol and say well the alcohol made him do it but you know it's still a a situation where you go wow how do you deal with this what do you do and in my situation his need was to hear the radio you know it doesn't sound like a primal need it doesn't sound like something that if he doesn't hear it he won't be able to survive but i'm sure he was probably repressing anger And he wanted to yell at us, and instead he just got into his car and did a bunch of donuts and took off. So this is what I look at when I see irrational behavior. I see the person who wants to say or do something, but he or she doesn't, so they do something differently, or they say something differently. It's like you're behind the person with all the coupons at checkout who brings out an out-of-state foreign traveler's check or something and tries to pay at the grocery store with that and they have to call the manager over and then you have to go through each and every coupon and you have to get to a meeting and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and there's no other lines open and you're just getting irritated and you really want to say give me a break how many more coupons do you have i mean you really want to say it but instead you just pull your hair and then move your cart back and forth slamming things and appear to be irrational to everyone else. Because what you really want to do or really want to say is something that you're holding back so you don't. And it comes out in different ways. And I believe that comes from a very primal place inside. It's like a survival thing. How do I survive this? What do I need to do? And how bad it gets depends on how high your toleration level is. So, When your boss comes out and is completely irrational, my number one goal with that, with those kind of people, is to figure out exactly the need they're trying to fulfill. I talk about this in my How to Deal with Irrational People book. Figure out what need they're trying to fulfill. And if you can fulfill that need, they probably will stop acting irrationally. You may not be able to do it in the moment, but sometimes you can prevent irrational behavior from happening. So if your boss comes out and says, you're always late with these reports, you're always late. It could be true that you're late with those reports, but find out why she needs those reports so bad. Does she have a supervisor that she reports to that she gets yelled at? Is there something that she needs those reports so bad or she can't do her job and now she's taking her anger that she can't do her job out on you, there's a need she's trying to fulfill. You have to find out that need. Because if you don't, then you're going to keep getting that kind of irrational behavior. Now, she may have multiple needs. Maybe there's a situation where there's a number of things that are never working for her, and she just can't get her job done. I mean, with almost any supervisor I've ever worked for, the day I made their job easier was the day they were fun to work with, was the day I enjoyed working with them. Find ways to make their life easier. Even if you have to stay a little bit over time and finish up a spreadsheet, knowing that they're going to get yelled at if they don't have the spreadsheet in their hands. If you can. I mean, there are some things that you can't do and you won't be able to do. And there are some demands that are placed on you that you'll never be able to meet. And even when you do meet them, you'll be asked, to give more. 
And, you know, that's when hard decisions have to come up going, you know what, I give and give and give, yet you still want more, you still want more. I don't think I can work here anymore. You know, that's a hard truth to come to, and it may need to go that way. But at least first try to find out what the supervisor needs. What do you need? And you may not be able to ask, or you may. You might be able to ask, you know, uh, why do you need this so soon? And she's going to be like, what do you mean why? I asked you and you better have them or whatever the situation calls for. She may not be forthright with her information. So you got to listen for clues. Now, my other piece of advice is something a little bit out of the ordinary, but this is the show for uncommon sense. <laughs> so let's go with it. And again, this is something I outlined in my book. The idea is to sometimes act as irrational, if not more irrational than them. Now, this is an interesting approach because what will happen is that they're getting a lot of attention and like a vortex, they're sucking everyone's time and energy by being the way they are. So when you then act irrationally as well, just like them, if not worse, you might be able to get them back to a rational state. It's called pacing and leading. You pace, meaning you run along with them, and then you lead, meaning you run ahead and they follow. Now, that's kind of the analogy, but in a real-world situation, this sort of thing happened to me where I was with a coworker who I really didn't like, <laughs> but I had to work with him and I just decided, okay, I'll just deal with whatever happens when it happens. And he ended up getting yelled at by one of the uh, project leads on a project I was on. I really enjoyed hearing that he got yelled at because what he was doing, I didn't agree with. So then I heard that he got yelled at and I was like, oh good, now he's getting some discipline that I think he deserves. So anyway, he came back to me and he said, geez, you know, this guy yelled at me and he said I was doing this and I was doing that. And he was really upset. And so I decided to pace him by running along with him. I was like, really? He told you that? He told you this? What, what kind of nerve is that? He was mad and then I was showing him that I was also mad. I really wasn't mad. I was kind of happy. <laughs> but I, I didn't really like him, so I didn't really care. <laughs> so he goes, yeah, I was so mad. And he has no right to say that. I was like, you're damn right he has no right to say that. And again, I'm pacing, pacing, pacing along with him. I'm just agreeing and showing him that I am sympathetic and somewhat empathetic, I guess. And so he kept talking and then I decided to lead him a little bit to finally calm him down because he wouldn't calm down. He was just being irrational. He was just going crazy, in my opinion. Uh, he just kept yelling and he was kept thinking about how he wanted to get back at the person and you know he should call the other guy's supervisor and he was just taking it pretty far. So I decided to lead him and I said, you're right. You know what we need to do? I think you should go back in there and push him around. Why don't you go in there and say that he started a fight and then just, you know, punch him in the face. <laughs> and, you know, that's extreme. But, you know, I had really good synergy going on with this guy. And um, for him to consider something so extreme, he has to come out of his irrational state to consider it. So when I said, you should just go in there and punch him in the face. If I were you, I would get pissed off and I would go in there and yell at him. I mean, what do you get to lose? If you're right, then you can just stand by what you said and so on and so forth. I forget what I said. And he started looking at me like, oh, uh, uh, I don't know if I want to do that. And he started calming down because I went over the top. I went overly irrational. I was more irrational than him. And I brought him to a calmer state. And what that did was make him start thinking more reasonably, more rationally, more logically, coming back to a place where he could think clearly again. And he goes, well, maybe I'll just let it go. I mean, it was just a thing. And, and he just calmed right down. And after he calmed down, I was still like huffy. <laughs> like I was in a huff going, oh, well, I wouldn't let this go. And I was the one acting irrational. And the second part of that is that he now has to calm me down 
which is easy because all he has to do is, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't, you don't follow through with that. <laughs> and I was like, well, all right, if you say so. And I calmed down. Not that I was ever really irrational in the first place. Now, this is kind of a gray hat tactic. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of white hat and black hat, but white hat is like perfectly ethical, perfectly moral. Black hat is unethical, illegal, or immoral. And gray hat is one of those in-betweens, like, well, you're doing it. It's probably not right. It's kind of manipulative. It's influencing him in a, in a way, but what's the end result? The end result is that he's calm. The end result that he's not so mad anymore. He's okay to work with again. He's not going crazy. So that's my second idea for your situation is to maybe if she comes out and I don't know your situation, Jimmy, but if your boss comes out and says, why aren't these reports on my desk? You could try to say, oh my God, you're right. I can't believe I messed that up. Oh, I'm so angry at myself. And then you start like punching yourself in the stomach or something, <laughs> or, you know, not literally, but just getting so angry and, and just really putting yourself down and see how she responds. You know, I, I once told the story of my, uh, the president of the company running into my office going, you got to get over there. You're going to take care of this customer right now. You're going to do it. She's calling me and she's going crazy. And he was just going off on me and I'm like, okay, I'll take care of it. Okay. And he's like, you're not, you're not taking this seriously. You don't care about the customer. And I was like, yeah, I I care about the customer. I'm going to call him right now. He was just upset that I wasn't upset. So he went to my boss and he told me that I wasn't taking it seriously. And I was thinking, yes, I'm taking it very seriously. As soon as you left my office, I called. And my boss came to me and said, you know, the president of the company just came in and told me that you weren't taking this seriously. I was like, I've already got him on the phone. What's the problem? (laughs) The problem was that his irrational behavior wasn't met with my irrational behavior. So he didn't think I was as serious as he was. So sometimes you have to show people that you're damn serious. Now, an overall umbrella to all of this is, yes, you should honor yourself. You should honor your boundaries. You should be in alignment with your values and say, look, I don't want to be disrespected. So if you come out and yell at me, I feel disrespected and that's not something I want in my life. That's something I would do myself, but it doesn't mean you're in a situation to do that. I'm ready to lose my job, to stand up for my integrity, to stand up for myself. But you may not be in that position. So you have to find other ways to get along until you are in a position to honor yourself. You are in those positions where you value yourself more than your job. And maybe you do, I don't know. But that's where I got to in life. Where if somebody came out like that and started yelling at me, I wouldn't have it. I would stand back up and say, you're being unreasonable, you're being irrational, and you're disrespecting me. And I don't like that. Are you going to stop? Or whatever I would say. In the moment, I would say something probably more direct, but that's pretty direct. (laughs) So for you, it's certainly a choice. I recommend above all honoring yourself. And if that situation never changes to get out of that situation, because you don't have to work for someone like that. You can work for anyone or for yourself. You might need that job, however. So I can't just say, just quit. So it's really up to you how you approach this. But that's my answer for you. I hope that helps you, Jimmy. And I hope you're able to get through this work situation and not only get your boss's needs met, not that it's your job to, but if you want an easier life there and you're going to stay, you might as well try to get her needs met. Not only get her needs met, but also get yours met as well. Bottom line is don't compromise yourself to the point where you are going to become the irrational person yourself and go off on people. That's it for this first letter. Let's go to the next one. As you know, I'm here to empower you once a week. 
Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't. (laughs) But I hope you always enjoy the show. But why do I come on here once a week to uh, do my best to empower you? Why do I come on the air and say, I just want you to learn, heal, grow, and evolve? Why do I do it? What What's in it for me? <laughs> well, some of it is, it may surprise you, selfish. Because really, I'm trying to make a better world for myself. That's selfish, isn't it? Well, not exactly. I'm not completely selfish because I want to make a better world for you as well. I really do want you to have a fantastic life. You are amazing. I say that at the end of every episode, for those of you that listen to the end. (laughs) And the reason I say that is because I want you to feel good. I want you to be empowered. I want you to have a great life. And I want you to be able to create the life you want. And one of the ways to do that, one of the major ways to do that, is to feel this personal empowerment. When you're empowered... You can make decisions that are right for you because being empowered means that you don't really fear too much of the consequences. You just make decisions that are right for you. You just do it. You consider the consequences and you you know, weigh the pros and cons of your decisions. But for the most part, if you're in a bad situation, you make a decision to get out of that bad situation or make the situation better if you can. But my point is, when you're empowered, you're always doing something that's right for you. And it doesn't mean it's not right for others, because part of empowerment is empowering others. One of the ways you can empower someone else is to let them go. Now, isn't that an interesting perspective? One of the ways to empower someone is to take you out of the equation You know, I had a client recently that was sort of an enabler for her husband. Her husband has a tendency to not take care of things. So what she would do was take care of them for him. I mean, this is something my mom did for 40 years. When he didn't take care of something, she did it. So he could sit back and drink all he wanted. So he could abuse her all he wanted. Every time she took care of something for him, he got a free ride. He got the free ticket to do whatever he wanted. Oops, I smashed another glass on the floor. Don't worry, your wife will take care of that, so you don't need to lift a finger. That's pretty much enabling. But how do you empower someone like that, who's gotten so used to not doing things because they rely on another person to do them, so that they can stay in their dysfunction. How do you empower someone like that? You walk away. You let them go. You let them fend for themselves. That's how you empower them. And at first, they're going to flounder. They're going to flail. They're going to flop around like the fish out of water because they won't know how to take care of themselves because they were taken care of for so long. But that is the first, hardest most loving thing you can do for them. Because otherwise, what happens if you're the enabler and you end up leaving or dying or, you know, what happens when you're not in their life anymore? They're going to have to figure it out for themselves anyway. So it's important that they start learning these things as soon as possible. And if you are an enabler, You're only doing them a disservice and you're only making yourself unhappy. Which is why when you're in a place of empowerment, you can change your life. And when the dependent person has no more enabler to depend on, they will slowly start to take care of themselves and slowly get their life back together out of necessity, out of survival. They'll have to do it. But what this does is give them a sense of independence. It gives them a sense of learning how to fend for themselves, be with themselves, and be by themselves, and take care of themselves. I believe that you can find true empowerment when you're faced with the most dire circumstances 
and you get through them. But if someone's always there to pick up the pieces, then you can't be prepared for dire circumstances. You can't be prepared for challenges. Empowerment gets you through challenges. Enabling helps those people avoid challenges. If someone's enabling you, they're helping you avoid the hard stuff so that when it comes, you can't handle it. And guess where that puts you? That puts you in dependency. You are depending on someone else to get you through a situation. And if that person isn't there, then what? Then what do you do? That is the opposite of empowerment. That's unempowerment. And I don't want you to be there. So what I do is coach people in how to become empowered. And some of the steps that I teach are not easy. I'll tell you right now, some of the steps aren't easy. And some of them involve very hard decisions. Because some people are in situations that keep hurting them. That keep pulling them into a place that they don't want to be. I have another client that is in a painful relationship and she's not sure if she should stay or go. And I asked her, what's the difference if you stay or go if if either way it's going to be painful? Except one way you have pain but you start to heal and the other way you have pain and you keep it. (laughs) I won't share with you which way that is if she stays or if she goes and which one will start the healing process. But that's a, an important question to ask yourself. If you're in a painful situation and it would be painful to stay or the same painful to go, but one decision leads to an eventual healing and being happier, would you take that hard step and make that decision? Knowing that it hurts to stay and it hurts to go, but one decision leads you to a happier place eventually. Would you make that decision? These are all important choices. And these are the kinds of choices that, you know, sometimes I have to face with some clients. And it's not easy. Coaching with me can be educational and insightful. And you consider things that you probably have never considered before. And that's why people contact me because they're in a place that they are stuck and don't think they really have any options and aren't sure how to get out of the situation You know, not just relationships, it could be anything. But if you're in a place that you feel stuck and you're not sure what decision to make next, or you just need some insight on how to start feeling better in life, and you need someone to look at your choices in life and figure out if these choices are the right ones. Sometimes we don't even know if we're making the right decisions in life. And we're trying to figure out why do I keep sabotaging myself? If you're in that place and you need help, visit theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on Coach with Paul. I am here to help you. And if you don't have the money to invest in coaching with me, then I'm going to come back once a week for free on this show and help you anyway. That's what I'm here to do. It's both selfish (laughs) and maybe selfless. It's self-compassionate and compassionate for you. Because I want you to feel better. I want you to be empowered so that I can live in a better, happier, healthier world. And so can you. Let's go through this together. I hope to talk with you soon. You know, I thought I was going to have a lot more time to read a lot more emails, (laughs) but I look at the time right now and we're already at, man, just a few months ago, I was trying to get my show down to 45 minutes every time, but I just can't seem to do it. It just doesn't work out that way. So for those of you that continue to listen even past the hour, well, you're probably commuting (laughs) because you have the time. And Or maybe you just, you're doing laundry or you're doing something like physical activity and you just want to have this show in your ears. I just appreciate you. So I want to thank you. If you're a regular listener, you're coming back week after week. And if you're a new listener, this is the first time and 
you're making a determination whether to listen to this show again. And I hope you do. But thank you. No matter who you are, where you are in the world, what time it is in your neck of the woods, and for whatever reason you're listening to this show, I appreciate you. So with the amount of time that we have left, because apparently I go past 45 minutes every time, (laughs) I'm going to read you this last letter, and I will make it as short as possible. All right, this next letter is from someone that I'm going to call Jill. And Jill wrote, uh, we wrote back and forth actually, and I've already answered her, but I want to read my reply to her to you because I believe it's very important if you're in a similar situation, or even if it's not a similar situation, it's just something that um, I don't really talk about too much, which is spiritual beliefs. And spiritual beliefs can play a role in overall satisfaction and peace and fulfillment in life. Because sometimes there are things that we don't understand that we need to get past. And some of those things can be traumatic. And when we can't get past traumatic realities, what do we have left with? If we can't release the negativity from that traumatic reality, what do we do? Which is why sometimes it's really good to have a spiritual belief. So let me just read you one of the lines in this email that Jill and I had back and forth. She said, I have one problem. I am in my 40s and I want another kid, but I have no one now. And she meant that she has no one to have a kid with. So I responded, That is certainly a very personal decision. If you have no one in your life, then conceiving a child is a bit more challenging, of course. It's not impossible, but there are obstacles. The truth is, you may or may not end up conceiving another child. And you may need to be okay if that doesn't happen. And if you can't be okay with that, then you may find yourself being desperate, looking for any man to act as a donor. And though you may find a great guy who also wants a child, you may not see that he doesn't make a great dad. That's the hardest part about wanting something so badly. It can cause us to turn a blind eye to the not-so-great qualities of that thing. I think spiritual beliefs need to be a part of things like this. For example, being okay with what's meant to be instead of fighting it and wanting something that may never happen. For example, some people believe in reincarnation and that whatever doesn't happen this time around can happen next time. And some people believe that we choose the life we have before birth as part of the process of having new experiences every lifetime. I think it's important to have some sort of spiritual belief when you have real-world problems that you just can't seem to get over. For example, I've come to adopt that everything happens for a reason. I don't know how or what the reason is, but it comforts me to know that everything in my life has a reason and a purpose. And even if I end up single and poor, it was by design. I can curse my situation all I want, but knowing it was by design does make me feel better. Because that means my comfort lies ahead and my wisdom is being created in the moment so it's quite possible that you are meant to have another child but it's also possible you're not if you have spiritual beliefs then refer to those and meditate or be okay that you're being led to your best interest if you don't have spiritual beliefs and you're resisting all the stuff that you don't want in your life it's a lot harder to enjoy living in general So, I hope you're okay either way if another child doesn't come your way. Sometimes what we do with our time is meant for something greater or different or beyond our understanding. So, please keep an open mind. I do wish you the best through your situation. Sincerely, Paul. And Jill and I have talked back and forth, but that was the one part of the email that I wanted to read because I do believe that when you have such traumatic events that have happened in your life or that you're trying to face 
something so hard to face and you just can't really accept it, you have to fall back on something. You have to fall back somewhere. And it's nice to know that a spiritual belief can help cushion that fall. So when you're falling back, you have something to fall onto or into. For the longest time, I was more atheistic than anything. But then I realized there are so many things that I don't understand in the world, and there are so many atrocities that go on in the world, that there's got to be some sort of method to this madness. And I thought of my own life, some of the abusive situations that I've been in, some of the hardships that I've dealt with. Is there really no meaning to any of it or anything at all? And when I think about all this stuff having no meaning, it doesn't feel very good. So I decided to develop spirituality. I decided to develop a belief system that worked for me. And I think that's the most important thing I can say to you. If you don't have spirituality and it works for you, perfect. Don't change. Be that way for for as long as you want. But if you still have unanswered questions and it bothers you or real trauma that has happened to you and you just can't seem to let it go no matter how much you listen to this show or how much therapy you get or seminars you take or coaching you get, if you just can't seem to get past it, consider your spirituality. Consider what you can believe that will work. That's so important, I believe, because once you get to a place where you can believe something that makes you feel better, that will help you through the hardest times. I adopted the belief that every little action in life, every little event in life has meaning. To me, yeah, that feels damn good. (laughs) I think about it now and I'm really just soaking it in. I can feel it. Every single thing that happens to me and to everyone else has meaning. What's that mean? Does that blade of grass in the middle of that field have meaning? Well, yeah, it does. In my belief system, it does. Every single little thing has meaning. When I unlock my car door, that has meaning. Well, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah. (laughs) Every little event. So you're saying that everything has meaning? Well, I would probably put it this way. Everything that has an emotional impact on me has meaning. And what that means is if someone cuts me off in traffic, there is a purpose for it. There's a reason. There was something I needed to learn. There, you know, Maybe I needed to get cut off so I'd be more aware so I didn't get into an accident five seconds later. Maybe there are things happening that are just beyond logic. And when I put myself in that position, when, when I get angry when someone cuts me off in traffic, I can go, well, that makes me angry. But at the same time, I appreciate that it happened. And that's one thing that works for me. If If there's a reason for everything that happens that has an emotional impact on me, then I suddenly become grateful. I suddenly become appreciative, going, wow, I'm so glad that guy cut me off. I'm still angry. (laughs) I think I would rather stop and talk with that person and say, why did you cut me off? You're, You're being very selfish on the road and you put me in danger. But if I can't do that and I have this anger inside of me, then I can go, You know, that happened for a reason. What was the reason? I'll probably never know because the reason it happened prevented something bad from happening or something like that. So this is a very personal belief system. It's not something I talk about on the show a lot because this is more of a practical down-to-earth show, as you know. But um, I I believe that you need to have beliefs that work for you, even if they're not real. (laughs) This This is what it's all about. Even if the belief isn't real, if you have an imaginary dragon that follows you around and gives you advice and it works for you and your life is better because of it, go with it. Keep those beliefs because they work and beliefs that work make our lives better. And when it works, you feel better. When you don't feel good, then the belief's probably not working. If your beliefs cause you to hate people, that may not work. If your beliefs cause you to fear that you're going to burn in 
fiery damnation for the rest of your life, that doesn't sound like a belief that works to me. It's certainly something I don't want to adopt. But if it works for you and it helps you live a more peaceful, wonderful existence, then do it. Not everyone's going to believe your beliefs. Not everyone's going to be on board with your beliefs. But they're yours. They're personal. And whatever works for you is what works for you. Bottom line. So there's my little take on spirituality and beliefs that I don't talk about too much. And if you're one of the people that tuned in to this very episode, I believe there was a reason that you did. (laughs) And now we're definitely out of time. So thank you for joining me today. Let me say thank you to a few people, give you some final words, and say goodbye right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. You can move forward alone and hope things work out well, or you can pay less than a dollar a day to get a team of attorneys to get you through almost any situation. Heck, I'm going to call them, I think, today or tomorrow regarding that book contract and see what they say. I could just send it to them, and it's all part of my subscription fees. So free contract review. (laughs) Sounds good to me. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, visit getoutofthemess.com or call 678-355-8777 and talk with Asha today. And I want to thank you. If you've purchased one of my books or a worksheet or even used the Amazon link to shop as you normally would, I appreciate you. Thank you. Everything helps to keep this show on the air and your contributions and shopping habits are making a difference. Thank you again. And thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. To end today's show, I just want to mention one thing that has nothing to do (laughs) with today's episode. And that is... Uh, something to do with your comfort zone or not because what I'm going to tell you is when you are in any kind of day after day rut and it could be a good rut it could be something that you do every day you know you go to work you come home you take a shower or wash the dishes or make dinner and then go to bed when you have a routine that maybe gets a little boring or is just routine, uh, then what you might want to do is try something outside what, what you hear a lot of people say. Do something outside your comfort zone. Expand yourself a little bit. And if you know me well enough, you probably hear me say things that are a little um, opposite <laughs> of what other people say. And I'm not here to tell you to go beyond your comfort zone. But what I am going to tell you, I mean, I do believe that's good advice. I'm not saying that. But what I'm here to tell you today is to go beyond your experience zone. And what I mean by that is do something different, something that you've never done before or something that uh, maybe doesn't even interest you. (laughs) For example, tonight I did something called a cork and canvas. And what that means is you get to bring your own beverage. They call it cork because it's usually wine or something else, but you can bring anything you want. And they teach you to paint something in particular in a class. And it was the first time I think ever that I've painted unless I did so in high school, but I just don't remember ever painting. I was always kind of a pencil guy. I would draw pencil drawings in high school. But tonight I decided my girlfriend set this thing up where we would go uh, paint a picture that we get taught in a classroom environment. And I had a picture in my head of what I wanted to paint. And the teacher taught everyone to paint a certain picture, but I was allowed to not paint that picture if I wanted to. So I chose not to. I, I was the only person who chose not to paint the picture she had in mind. And what I came up with was exactly <laughs> what I saw in my head. 
And I just thought it was fascinating that I could do that. And that pushed me beyond my experience zone. That gave me new knowledge that I didn't know before. It allowed me to experience something that was completely different. And let me tell you what happens when you do that. You develop new appreciation for things that you'd never thought of before. So if you're one of those people that walks around not really in appreciation of things, then try something new. Push yourself beyond your experience zone and just do it for a couple hours and see what it's like. If you've if you've never I don't know what it's called, knitted an afghan. <laughs> if you've never done that, try it. You probably you might hate it <laughs> or you might love it, but at least you'll develop an appreciation either for the act or for the people that do it themselves. And that's what I find most fascinating is that after tonight's class, I looked at everyone's painting and everyone had a great painting. Everyone's painting was unique. And I just sat back and went, wow, everyone can paint. I mean, there's no one that can't paint because as soon as you apply that paintbrush to the canvas... You are displayed all over that canvas. Even if you just do a bunch of crisscrosses and different colors, which people do, it's you coming out, being expressed in some way. So whether it's painting or knitting or going to an antique car show, if you've never been to one, or going to some sort of festival that you probably have no interest in, <laughs> I say check it out. Push yourself beyond what you've experienced already in life. And learn new appreciations. And maybe you'll pick up something that you didn't know you liked. Maybe you'll start enjoying things that you didn't know that you would enjoy. And with that, I want you to open your mind and step into your power. And be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve and push yourself beyond your experience. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.